Well, it's just, you know, I, I kind of... They came here and I felt like they were quite smug and they came with this Sunderland presence, you know. And I just wanted to let them know that you're in our house. Do you know what I mean? And you play by our rules. This is Wickham, this is Adams Park, and we are who we are. We're second in the table, you are wherever you are. And it's just like, respect us. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Welcome back to another Macam in the Middle podcast and another podcast recorded after a Sunderland win in the league, of course. Um, it was against Wickham Wanderers at home on Saturday in a game that did end 3-1 to the hosts. And I'm joined by Kyle once again at half seven in the morning. How are you getting on? I'm, I'm doing just great. It sounds like a little bit better than you said you got that headache going on, but uh, yeah. hopefully it'll be <laughs> a good headache after uh, after yesterday's performance. So Yeah. And obviously, it's another win. I think that's four out of five now for the season. Um, obviously, the one game that isn't a win was the Burton game, where obviously we recorded a podcast after and we and we discussed how we didn't actually win it. But you know, five games in the season, there's so many positives to take out of it. And I think it was after the last podcast we recorded, I was talking about how we need to win games because we earned the win, as opposed yep. to getting a penalty or a deflection or a bad refereeing decision go our way. And yesterday was certainly one of them wins where we battered Wickham, we got the goals, we took our chances and deservedly won the game. Yeah, and I think looking at the schedule, this, you know, everyone kind of looked at this first August slate of games, right, as kind of like chapter one, so to speak, and we get to see the new players and see Johnson. And I think today was kind of the apex of that. You know, we get to the end of the month, a really grueling month if you really look at the teams that we've played. And I think yeah. we, we just played our best football yesterday. Right. So I uh, just great sign. Now we got a little bit of an international break, which I'm sure we'll touch on and stuff. But uh, yeah, awesome performance yesterday. Just I couldn't get enough. Everybody was on the same page. Nobody was trying to do their own thing. They're all playing into a system that seems to be working very well at the moment. Yeah. And I suppose how obvious is it now? Obviously, Lee Johnson was here last season and some performances weren't great. We still got the results. Some performances weren't great and we didn't get the results last season. How much of that do you think has become apparent this season down to the fact that there was no pre-season last year, the training was limited, they had no yep. time to really work on the way they wanted to play? And I think from the game yesterday, the one the one thing that I noticed the most, I'm not sure if you really noticed it on the stream, but I think it was I think it was in the first half, Wickham tried to play it out from the back. I think it was their left back in the left corner of the pitch, took a very heavy touch. And within seconds, it was three, four, maybe even five Sunderland players around them, pressed them, won the throw-in. And you didn't really see that enough last season, did you? No, not at all. And, and fitness could have very well been a, a you know, a, an issue with that last season. And, and we know the effects of COVID and things like that do affect endurance and, and conditioning. So, but I think just like with what you said, it's fun, every every time you watch football, everyone's like, oh, just press, run the press, run the press. And it does yeah. require coordination. It requires everybody being on the same page because if it, I remember last season would be like, it would be Gooch who'd be 
making that press and he look behind yeah. him and have his arms up and be like, well, we're, you know, where's, where's the rest of us? You know? So yeah. you can just show the conditioning for one's a lot better and just the coordination. Everybody's on the same page when it comes to pressing and you have to be, otherwise it's just, it, it's, it's not effective and very effective yesterday. I love, I love to see it. Yeah. And again, you know, I don't want to keep going back to last season, but the comparison considering that, the players that were brought in, obviously, I think it's seven or eight players were brought in now. A lot of them haven't played too much. Obviously, Niall Huggins played in the club, hasn't featured in the league. Alves, the same. Broadhead, the same. It's pretty much the same core of players, but against teams last season that we would struggle against. Obviously, Wickham weren't in our league last season, but the point still stands against you know that type of opposition where they are quite hard to break down. They are going to frustrate you. They are going to slow the game down at every single opportunity that they get. We now look capable of breaking teams down fairly easily. Yeah, and the the thing I noticed from Wickham because I thought it was going to be even more frustrating, you know, and and they they played their style of you know of football, which is it's the Gareth Ainsworth whatever you want to call it, but but uh, I credit to them for at least kind of showing up and and actually trying to play, which um, was it? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, like like we've mentioned on previous pods, there's been other teams who come up to the stadium of light and just it's it's just terrible to watch because they don't have any desire to play football. They don't have any desire to let us play. At least credit to Wickham. They they did come out those first 10 to 15 minutes and really put it to us and uh, credit to the lads to, to really absorb that pressure. And I think that's what it's all going to be about. Those first 10 minutes, we might not be scoring first, but it's all about getting set up, not getting pushed too far out, not getting caught up in there boxing matches which they were trying to pull off yesterday and uh just play smart and and it, it's all about the system and it's all about lee johnson now having a full off season to get everybody bought into the vision brought in a lot of players who all have very high motors just always running yeah. seemed endurance wise and same with daniel and embleton who had been there but yeah it's just it's all buying into the system and yesterday i think was the best display of that yeah well look at the team that did start for something and i think it was Pretty much the, the team that most people expected to see, Barman, maybe one or two. Um, Patterson was starting in goal again. Burge was on the bench. Um, Winchester in at right back. Flanagan, Doyle, and Dennis Serkin. Daniel, Luke O'Neill, Lynn Gooch, Elliot Embleton, Ada McGeady, and Ross Stewart. And I say it's the team that most people would have predicted by one or two because we spoke a lot recently about Aidan McGeady and how he hasn't really hit the ground running this season. Um, you know, we were saying it might be time for, you know, someone else to come in, let him be that impact player that we bring on if we need to. Um, obviously, Aidan O'Brien scored a hat-trick midweek. I think people were expecting him to start, and realistically, I think he should. But at the same time, you know, Wickham, notoriously a team that are hard to break down, like I say, slow the game down. Yep. It is kind of the game that has always suited McGeady. Yeah, and I think both McGeady and Gooch was the other one that we we also had said just hadn't really been on you know on in form lately. They both showed up yesterday and played, I think, very well. Played just well within their game. They weren't trying to do too much. They were much quicker with their decision making, which you could see just the layoff passes, the t- the give and goes, things like that. And uh, I, I think it's it's starting to slow back down for McGeady, which is in, in a good way, as in he's not thinking 100 miles an hour. He's just able to kind of view the pitch and view, uh, you know, what the best option is. And same with Gooch as well. It's It was good to see them both kind of, you know, shut us up so we don't have to keep clamoring for them yeah. to be chopped and changed. But, yeah, I think the starting 11 exactly what it, it's a little rough on O'Brien, sure. 
But good for o- O'Brien. Seems like he's got a great attitude about it, and he just knows yeah. that whenever his name's called, he's going to go out there and give it 110, percent which is exactly what he did yesterday. Yeah, and just touching on O'Brien, obviously I was going to mention it as well, but he scored a hat trick against Blackpool midweek. You know, three, well, two very good goals. One goal that was a huge <laughs> deflection. Obviously, it is. You know, if you're O'Brien in that situation, do you potentially think like, what more do I need to do to get in this starting eleven? I would think so. And and I know he was interviewed after that Blackpool match and, you know, where he, he just said he has confidence in himself and, and of course he wants to play, but he's he also understands that it's about being a professional and sometimes you have to put the, the, the team in front. He's going to have his opportunities. I mean, we are only, what, five games into a 40-something yeah. game season. He's going to get his opportunities, but it's about being in the right mental headspace and just the right fitness and the right attitude to come in whenever his name is called, because it could be due, you know, due to injury, hopefully not. But, you know, you never know when he's going to be coming in. So the fact that he has that mentality just to know, hey, whenever my name does get called, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to prove to Lee Johnson that, you know, I'm going to score another hat trick or I'm, I'm going to get goals, which which I think is very important to have in, in a backup, I guess, striker. Would he, you know, backup attacking player, I think would be the best yeah. way to put, put it for him. Yeah. He's played in a lot of positions when he's came on as a sub, hasn't he? Yeah. I remember yeah. I think oh, yeah. it might have been the Wigan game. He came on and he, he seemed to be playing in, in like a Grant <laughs> Ledbetter role. Yeah. So they're very versatile to have. Like, and I think he, it's when whenever substitutions come around, he's always going to be the first one off, you know, because I think he can play in those multitude of positions. If we need him to help back a little bit, he's a big, strong kid for the most part. And I say kid, he's probably like 20, I think he's like 26, yeah. 27. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great luxury to have on the bench. Obviously, he wants to be starting, I'm sure. But as long as he just keeps the right mentality and the right attitude, it's great to have uh, on the bench as of right now. Yeah. Well, the first half did get underway. And obviously, we'll get on to the goals and the different incidents in the game. But looking <laughs> at, I suppose, the first 10 minutes or so, it was very sloppy from a certain point of view. You know, the passing was off. The pressing wasn't really there. Wickham were putting the pressure on and it could have been a very different game had Wickham taken the chances that they had in them opening 10 minutes. Without a doubt. And and the credit to the crowd too because they they came out and they made some noise and they I think they were the ones who kind of galvanized uh, the team, you know, after those first few minutes of getting getting hammered, they were able to settle in, you know, not make the critical error. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, to use a cliche, it's kind of like that bend, but don't break. You know, we're absorbing yeah. that pressure. But as long as we're not making the critical error, whether it be an early yellow card, an early red card, God forbid, or, or give up like an early goal, it's we'll probably see that more often. It It is hard. You know, if a team comes up to the stadium light and they just decide they're going to go balls to the wall for the first 10 minutes, it's our job to just kind of tuck in a little bit, tighten up, and that that's going to set the tone for for the rest of the game. So as long as we don't make that critical error or anything like that, it's going to happen. Teams are going to come. I would rather a team come and actually want to play in those first 10 minutes than just immediately start just wasting time or just yeah. long balling it and things like that. So I, it, I, I think we handled it just about as well as we could have. Yeah. Well, Sam Volks did have a couple of chances for Wigan. Um, I think it was one very good chance. He put the put a header over bar from I think it was something like five yards. And um, like I say, it was a it was a bright start for Wigan. But I think it was thirteen minutes in, Sunderland did take the lead, possibly against the runner play at the time. Um, Embleton, who you know we've praised so many times this season so far, he's on the uh, right hand side. I think he was. Uh, he's put a ball into Stewart, who's I think it was header hit the far post, bounced over the line. It was one 0 and 
I think it was I think it was Jamie McAllister that said it after the game. He's kind of compared the relationship that Embleton and Stewart have to the relationship that McGeady and White had last season. And it is starting to show that they do know where where each other are going to be. Obviously, it's not just them two. You look at the link up between Gooch and Embleton in the game as well. But they do seem to have a real idea of how each other were going to play it. Whereas last season, again, other than McGeady and Wyke, no one really knew where people would be, where they would be going, where they wanted the ball. But this season, they do. Right. And I think what we saw last season, too, with most of that service coming from McGeady, it was always coming from from the one side and always coming from pretty wide as well. The thing I really like about Embleton is that he's able to possess the ball in and around the box and then make that quick, you know, either the cross that he had into Ross yesterday, I, I didn't think it had enough power on it. But, yeah. you know, uh, Ross was on the same Ross was on the same exact page as him. So he was able to get generate his own power and perfectly place that ball. You know, it totally fooled the keeper. The keeper, I think, thought he was going to go back post, but he went you know, yeah. back to kind of where the service came from. So it's nice to see these service come from different areas, different points of attack, because as a defense and as a goalie, it's a nightmare to try to figure out where that ball is going to come and when it's going to come. So it's it, Embleton. Yeah, while they have a, a similar relationship as McGeady last year, it's so much more multi or dynamic. So yeah. it, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it was four minutes later. Uh, it was 2-0. Emelton, again, heavily involved, as I mentioned just then, the link-up play between him and Gooch, again on the right-hand side. Uh, Emelton played in Gooch, made the run, Gooch played Batwoman, and it's just a great finish. You know, he <laughs> placed in the top corner from what I think was about 20, maybe 25 yards. And again, you know, that's a type of goal that McGeady would have scored last season, potentially even Chris Maguire in the earliest seasons in this division. Um, just, just a great finish. Yeah, and that's something that you see that that's after an off season and about five games, everybody playing together, and especially Gooch and Embleton. As soon as the ball went out of bounds for the throw, and you could see Gooch look back at Embleton, and they, I think, immediately were on the same page. Like, and and credit to Gooch, you know, we've criticized him for for taking too long in the ball and taking that extra touch, but especially in yesterday's game, and this was a prime example of it, and a quick decision making, a perfectly weighted. Uh, just kind of wall pass right back to Embleton. And I think as soon as you saw Embleton square up for it, you knew it was going in. And because we had seen him take that similar shot a few times and just be a little bit yeah. wide, this one you just knew it was going in. And it was just a beautiful run of play, beautiful little uh, interchange. And uh, it ended up in what Embleton's first goal at the Stadium of Light, right? Um, it was, yeah, because he scored, was it in, I think yep. it was in the cup, he scored away, wasn't it? And that was his first goal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you can just see. And the way everyone celebrates, and I know it, it seems like a lot, you know, not that much to ask for, but you can just see everybody's togetherness and everybody smiling, happy, and just you know, there's there's no there's no just individuals on this team. Like everyone really seems to be playing together, really bought in, and rooting for each other's success, which yeah. it's it just makes it all the better, all the more fun to watch. Yeah, and I think the one thing that I like the most about that goal that Embleton scored, um, you know, it's similar to the one that he scored, I think it was against, uh, was it against Lincoln? No, it wouldn't have been against Lincoln. Um, it was the playoff semi-final for Blackpool yeah. last season. Anyway. Yep. I can't remember who it was against, but it was a very similar goal, obviously opposite side. Um, you've seen some of the goals that he scored for like the under-23s, England youth level. It's not a hidden hope. It's one of them finishes that is purely based on technique and you know, he's shown that throughout the game, not just the goal, but the cross, you know, when he gets the ball, his ball control, getting past the player, playing that pass. Yep. He's just a very clean player with a lot of technique. And we haven't had too many players like that in this league. 
No, especially one with both feet like he's got. It, it it's just it, you forget about it, like how difficult that is to have, you know, have both feet at your disposal to be able to make that cut. Because I know what, what's going to happen is he's going to be in a similar position again, and then instead of pulling the trigger on the shot, he's going to either look to slot it in. You know, Ross Stewart can run behind and a little slot in pass, or he can cut it back on his right foot and you know go go near post right so it's just the fact that he's now kind of able to set up these defenses to think hey you've seen me score a goal from this spot but (laughs) watch this right and and pull something else off so god he's just he's just such a good player and everyone says oh how do we send him on loan and you know hindsight's 2020 obviously but i think he needed that confidence he needed that time away from the team and we just weren't in a position which sounds ridiculous but weren't in a position to take a risk on them and but it's paid off timing's everything timing is everything we've been here for, you know in league one for far too long but the timing and the structure is going to pay off in the long run eventually hopefully yeah god i hope <laughs> so yeah <laughs> well i said we'd talk about the goals and the incidents and we'll get on to the incident now uh 30 minutes in i really don't know what happened um, it was out of the corner of my eye that I saw it. I've, I've watched it back on Twitter. I know a few people were talking about it as well. I think they mentioned it on the stream that Sunderland provide and, and on the EFL show on Saturday night. Um, I th- not have a clue who it was for Wigan, but Lugo 9 off the ball, seemingly punched. And, you know, I've watched it back and it is one of them where, you know, if, if someone punches you like that in the street, you're probably not going to go down and roll around because <laughs> there wasn't too much force behind it. Right. But... Right. In the law of the game, if the referee's seen that, which again, you know, there's four officials there, that's what they're yeah. there to do. They've somehow missed it. It's a red card. Yeah. It's that is uh, that's kind of the dark arts, right? Gamesmanship, whatever you want to call it. But it's, you know, Luke O'Nine and, and that player had kind of been, you know, I think O'Nine had a little bit of his jersey, but I mean, nothing egregious or anything like that. Yeah. And it looked like the player wound up for a punch and then halfway through the connecting realized, like, okay, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta calm down a little bit and yeah. so the punch i don't think delivered a whole lot but no i mean credit to 09 you that that's what you want to do because if it worked out and that did end up in a red card then well there's our advantage right that's that's yeah. almost just as good as a goal at that point so it was one of those it, it got you know a little bit of a meal of it i think but that's just what you're kind of expected to do especially in league one have we had our fair share of incidents where players really make a meal out of our Definitely. tackles and things like that i mean my god so it, it it is what it is. I'm sure the EFL will probably look at it. Yeah, like if if it resulted in a suspension, I understand it because it was a punch at the end of the day. But I hope it. I mean, if it's like a five game suspension or something, that'd be a little bit ridiculous. But I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to live with the consequence. And if you if if you were to let 09 get in your head that much, then uh, then you know, I maybe the stadium and the and the crowd rattled that player for Wickham. But yeah, it it uh, they got off pretty easy, I think. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, VAR should be in League One, because ultimately, <laughs> I think if VAR was yeah. in League One, we'd probably still be sitting watching the game now. Um, yeah. You know, how many decisions that go against you or aren't the right decisions. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, you've got the linesman who has to have seen it. You know, I was in a completely different side of the stadium watching the ball, you know, no interest in what else was happening, even I saw it. You've got the fourth official who should be watching. You've got the referee. You've got the opposite linesman. How's no one seen it? Yeah, I, yeah, it, it was kind of tucked away in the middle there. Yeah, and, and you saw him fall. And that incident was one, but I felt like there's a few other off-the-ball incidents as well in that first half and kind of the second half as well that just didn't didn't get called. See, I don't know if, if the refs were just 
too absorbed and, and it was a little bit off the ball. So maybe they just weren't watching. But yeah, it was it was one of those where at least even the fourth official has to be seeing something, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it just sums up League One, doesn't it? I mean, it's just you could you could punch somebody in the face on the field. I, I'm sure a fan could run on the field and punch somebody in the face and nothing would happen. You know, game would just yeah. resume. <laughs> the, the refs just have too much going on, apparently. So yeah. Well, after that, um, after the two goals, after that red card incident they never got a red card Sunderland did kind of drop off a little bit towards the last stages of the first half and Wickham did start putting the pressure on but again didn't take the chances uh, Gareth Ainsworth after the game you know he's talked about that just how Sunderland were ruthless when they got the chance and took them Wickham didn't um, and so they went into half time 2-0 and I think it was about three or four minutes into the second half it was almost three and um, Winchester who we'll get on to pretty shortly again getting very high up the pitch carrying the ball forward Low effort towards Stockdale, saved it behind for a corner. But Winchester, he looks like a natural fullback now. Yeah, and and the way he's able to support when we're attacking, I, I think that play that that you're talking about in the second half, and he almost had a, you know, had a nice little shot on goal. Uh, we had about seven players in or around the box at that point, and that was the first thing that jumped out to me. And when you have that many players occupying space, that's going to leave somebody like Winchester to kind of roam that outer area of the box. And be, if he gets the ball, he's going to have a, a wide open look, not necessarily, you know, a surefire goal, but at least a shot on goal, just like he had yesterday. Keeper kind of spilled it out as well. But that's that's the biggest change I see is that we have so many more attacking minded players now that are in or around that box, occupying space, occupying a defender and to have somebody like Winchester just play that rover role and and kind of the support on that back post um from his defensive position uh, he's it, it slots him perfectly as of right now it's working fantastically can another team in league one possibly exploit that sure maybe but I think they have so many other facets of our team to worry about that Winchester's not going to be the one that they look at and say well, we need to make sure this guy you know <laughs> gets shut down so it's yeah, he's he's been so much just so great to have in that position right now. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, similar to the first half, it kind of happened in the second half as well. Sunderland started to drop off a little bit, you know, as the game wore on. Um, I think it was about the hour mark or so. I was kind of expecting a few changes to be made. I know Huggins, Alves, Wright, Broadhead, you know, the whole bench really were, were warming up, but didn't really make any changes. And I think you know, luckily for us, Wickham just didn't take advantage of the tired legs, didn't take the chances that they had on goal. Um, but 15 minutes before the end, Ross Stewart killed the game off. And again, we've mentioned this player so many times. We've mentioned both of these players so many times. But again, Dan Neal in midfield, you know, excellent on the ball. He's played a through ball, straight through to Ross Stewart on his left foot, and he's fired it into the roof of the net. And it's just, you know, he scored that header. He scored a goal on his left foot. He can score on his right foot. There's just so many options going forward now. It And just credit to the scouting team that brought him in. because And, and maybe they didn't even realize this, but to see that somebody, because I, I think he's about 26 as well, roughly in that age. And um, to, just to see him continue to get better is, is, is so cool to see and and just he's put in the right system and he's the ultimate team player exactly who you want as a striker and in that build-up too there's a little bit of a kind of a, a ping-pong effect in the middle and Elliot Embleton ended up with the ball and just did he saw uh Neil making that run and just laid off just the perfect little give me pass to, so that he could split two defenders and immediately Neil was up and away 
And you just love to see that attacking intent. And then to have Gooch on his right-hand side, and I love how Gooch runs with his arms open. It's just, lad, if you just run pumping your arms, you're going to yeah. get there quicker. Like, that's just going to throw you off. But um, that was nice, too, because it, it made sure that the, the defenders couldn't double up on Ross. So, I mean, it, even though Gooch didn't get the ball, he was still very, you know, he still played a part in that. But then the touch by Ross Stewart as well, a nice way to pass from Neil. And he was able to just take it right on his left and push it just a little bit past the keeper and uh, and then put it right in the back of the net. Just what a goal from that run of play. And that's exactly what we've missed in the past with that cutting edge to finish off a game. That is the type of goal that finishes off a game. Yeah. And I mentioned technique when I was talking about the Embleton assist with Stewart's first goal. And again, it, it stands for Stewart's second goal. And not so much for Embleton this one, but again, Dan Neal, even the whole midfield, obviously, O'Neill, you know, he's not the most technical player. But when Corby Evans comes in, you know, against the against Wigan, you just saw what he brings to the team. He's very calm on the ball, very collected. He can play, you know, he can play a short pass, play a long pass. Yep. It's just it, very refreshing to have midfielders who, <laughs> you know, if you look at Scoring, you know, I, I was quite a fan of Scoring. I think, you know, he'd probably mm-hmm. still be quite a valuable player to have around this season. Um, you know, he did the hard work. If You know, if you win yep. the game with 15 minutes to go, bringing him on for the energy in midfield would probably be a good option. Um. Yeah, it, and that was exactly what I noticed as well yesterday, too, with uh, Luke O'Nine definitely played that role, um, doing the dirty work. And then all he would do, he wasn't making those Hollywood-type passes. Or he wasn't trying to make the big switch. All he was doing is, hey, where's Neil and where's Embleton? Let me get them the ball because they're the ones who have the ability to, to find that next pass. So it, it, it the system right now is working very well. And when Corey Evans does come back, it'll be really interesting to see where he fits in. I think probably giving Luke a little bit of rest to especially get that shoulder right and things like that um, is probably going to be where that comes into play. But to have just different options in the midfield instead of Scoan doing the work, getting the ball and then passing it to someone like Grant, who would then just hold the ball and then pass it out. You know, it's just it's so nice to have attacking minded midfielders again. Yeah. Well, it was 3-1. We did make a few changes. Um, you know, none of them really had an impact on the game. And I think it was 92nd, maybe even 93rd minute, Wigan pulled one back. And it was realistically the only way they were going to score. Um, a, a massive deflection. Patterson had no chance. I think it was Bailey Wright, who he's kind of stuck his head out to try and deflect the shot away from goal. Ended up deflecting it into the goal. But obviously that aside, you could maybe look at and think, could we have closed him down a little bit quicker? Possibly. But ultimately, if you're Lee Johnson in this situation, looking back on the game, there's not really any negatives. I, everyone stayed healthy for the most part, which I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, giving up that goal, it's it's unfortunate that it couldn't be a clean sheet. But just like you said, it, what was actually really fun to see is uh, Akin Femme would come on and just yeah. he was their best player. I mean, I know he's he's the definition of just a brick shit house, but like he is just the, to have somebody that big and just have the quick feet. Like he does, he can't run worth a damn, but <laughs> he just cannot, but just every single ball that went in that area, he was winning. And I think that's a really good test for those young players because I, there's yeah. no way any of them had come up against a player who's like that. And, you know, there's, there's enough of them sprinkled through the league. I think Akon Them was quite the, uh, the unique individual, but yeah, it, so I think that was a good challenge for the, for the team that's to stay engaged. I mean, we were up a few goals at that point, but you got to stay engaged. You got to stay locked in something like that can happen. Thankfully enough, it didn't, it didn't, you know, hurt us really in any way, you know, maybe it got, if that's the goal difference that, uh, <laughs> that, that screws us out in the end, that'd be interesting, but 
no, I, I think Johnson has to be very happy with that, um, with the performance all around. And it gives us something to build on for these next two weeks. Uh, we get a nice little, nice little break, I guess. So, yeah. Um, we'll move into player ratings, and since it's only us two, we should be able to get through these quite quick, yeah. especially compared to usual. But start with <laughs> Patterson, just can't remember having to make a save. So I feel like I'm always harsh with ratings like this when they don't really have anything to do, but there's not much to really rate them off. So I've got a six. Yeah, I, I, I can't really argue for or against anything more than that. So, yeah, he was there when he needed to be, had a few nice uh, call-outs and, and getting the ball, but um, still still young, still inexperienced, and, yeah. you know, that'll that'll come with time. So Yeah. And when Chester at right back again, and like I said right at the start, he just looks very natural at right back, considering, you know, he's brought in as a midfielder and I think probably played midfield for most of his career. Obviously, he's played for Forest Green, I think it was Oldham. He played with Lee Johnson, after played under Lee Johnson, I should say. Um, draw forward with the ball well, nearly got myself another goal. Don't really remember him doing anything wrong, so I went with an eight for Winchester. Yeah, I, I, I would say maybe a seven, eight. I mean, eight, yeah, that, that's pretty good as well. But he's always where he's supposed to be. Just like we mentioned before, that almost that shot he had on goal, he, he was perfectly positioned, perfectly spaced out to receive a pass and, and, and put a decent shot on goal. So, yeah, I, I, can't, I couldn't fault him for anything. Always in the right position. I, I would say a seven just because I, I don't think he – Nearly did enough to get an eight, but I couldn't fault you for giving him an eight either. I love yeah. watching him play. He's so he's such so fun to watch. Yeah. You can tell he's really thriving as well with the crowd yes. there, isn't he? Just enjoying it. He's just really enjoying the moment. And I think for someone like him, a little bit longer in his career, but he's never had the opportunity to play really in front of a, a, a crowd like this. And so yeah. it, good for him. Good for Johnson to bring it to, to kind of identify that and bring it in. Yeah. And um, Tom Flanagan again. You know, he's been outstanding this season. And again, yesterday was excellent. You know, didn't do anything wrong, kept it simple. Um, and I loved that tackle in the second half. Yep. Um, I didn't mention it, but that was a great tackle in the second half. was a foul, probably a yellow card, but I really enjoyed that one. Um, so again, I went with an eight for Flanagan. I, I think eight, yeah, without a doubt. And we always talk about it a little bit, but just his improvement over the last few years. I just remember how much I despise seeing him in the team sheet. And now he's one of the first names on there. And he's leading that team, leading that back line. Um, yeah, I think an eight. His, his patented tac, uh, tactical foul, as I like to call it, uh, <laughs> midway up the pitch and just yeah. making it making it count. You know, if you're going to foul hard, make it count, get a card yeah. out of it. He did have a little bit of a stomp thing as well, but luckily that didn't go called. So I think we're OK yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, alongside him was, again, Callum Doyle. Um, and I went with a seven, but he played the ball OK at times. Um you know, he's, he loved that long ball. I think there was one time we kept possession for, I think, was that a minute or so and then played it out wide to Gooch. You know, he loves that pass and he, he can execute it very well. When Akin Fenwick came on, I think you could see his kind of inexperience a little bit. There was a few little niggly fouls here and there that he was giving away and he never really got near the ball when he came on. But again, you know, I think he's, what, 18 years old, possibly younger. So, yeah, I think, he's, I think he turns 18 December is from what yeah. I understand. Yep. So, you know, that, that's going to come with the game. He hasn't played senior football before and he's never played against Nack and Fenwell before, like you said, and probably <laughs> never will again. Obviously, apart from where we play Wickham at their place. Right. But seven out of ten for me. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, 7 out of 10. I, I totally agree. And it's just funny to see him and Akin Fembo because it has to be one of the youngest players in the league versus the oldest person in the league. And Akin Fembo did have a nice chest trap, little touch right over Doyle's head. And that's that's where you saw the, the experience versus the inexperience. It's just that quick touch to get up and over somebody's head like that. And then one time volleyed on goal. Patterson was right there, thankfully. But I think that's a learning lesson. So he's learning every single game. And uh, to, to have him come out, uh, with sevens, sixes, and sevens consistently, is yeah. uh, it's only going to get better from here. So yeah, I think Arkin Fenn was probably old enough to be his dad, isn't he? What's he thirty nine? Oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. So he he was you know <laughs> twenty two when when Callum, Callum was born, something like that. Jeez, that's just that's wild. It is that's what um, that's what League One is for. <laughs> it is, isn't it? There's a lot of there's quite a few old players in like the lower right. as well, isn't there? I think there was like, one oh. playing. I think it's Newport. I think he played for. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I think he's like forty-four years old. Yeah. Scoring goals. I can't <laughs> think awesome. of his name now. No, I'm gonna have to look at that after this. Do you have any idea? Uh, I I wouldn't know. I I know I know surprisingly a decent amount of League One compared to most I think American football fans, but not not I don't think that that much. I haven't studied the lore of League One yet, so. <laughs> gonna have to investigate that one after. I'm gonna have to find that. Um. But Dennis Sergan, again, he was back into the team, um, started against Blackpool and don't think he played, uh, at least started the game against Wimbledon. I think Neil came back in there. Um, first half, again, you can tell that he's still a young player that you know hasn't really had too much first-team experience, held his own. Some of the passing was a little bit off and I think a lot of that was partly down to McGeady just not being possibly where he should have been at the right time. Um, but second half, as the game went on, you know he held his own, improved. One thing that I think he does need to improve is is crossing in the final third. I mean, that was something to be uh, <laughs> something to be believed. But I went with the based on the first half. I would have went with the six. Second half would have been a seven. So I'll I'll, I'll go with a six and a half. First half rating of the of the season. Would yeah, which which I think is an improvement for him. He looked more fit for sure. Yes, uh, his positioning was better. The the game speed I think he's adjusted to a little bit. But I, I've seen a lot of people kind of like make that Hume comparison in a way, right? He does just everything that Hume does, I think, even to a fault. with Because Hume couldn't deliver across to save his life either. So I don't know what it is with our, our left backs and just, you know, just keep your head down and just drive it across the middle. But, yeah, I, yeah. That, that at least is something that can be developed over time. You know, he's still young. We got him for a few years now. So, yeah, you, you know, I, hopefully that cross will come. And luckily we're not dependent on that cross for uh, for goals at this point. So. Yeah. Uh, moving into midfield, Dan Neal once again started, once again impressed. You know, he, he's just a class act, you know, on the ball. His class, his work rate is, you know, matches his ability. So, 8 out of 10, Dan Neal. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just oozes class. It's just, he's just such a, a, a spark and it's, it brings such an added dimension to this team that we we had been clamoring for since we got down to League One. And like I said, it's just one of those things with timing. I think his time as the captain for U23, if I'm not mistaken, uh, has really groomed him for this role. And now he's able to step in. He's not intimidated. He's not, you know, in over his head by any means. And he just continues every single game to get better. And he's got to, him. He's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet as well. And um, good for him. You know, he had he he did wasn't necessarily in the starting eleven. I think to start the season, but he has seized yeah. every opportunity that he could. And good for him. So yeah, yeah. Eight, easily, easily. And I think he's got I think it's eighteen months left on his contract. Um, I think Embleton might be something similar. Oh um, yeah. He signed a new I think he signed a new contract when he went out on loan. 
I think I could be wrong on this, but I think it was only a one-year extension. But it is very important that they get sorted pretty quickly. Absolutely. And I think especially right now, you have this two-week window, and I think a lot of those negotiations can kind of go on now um, where they're able to kind of sit and analyze things. You can tell he enjoys it, uh, just the, his reaction to the crowd and stuff. So, I, hey, in this next two weeks, that's a great opportunity to sit down and, and start discussing those things so that we're not stuck, you know, a month or two before the, the deadline of, of his contract and not have something in place. So get it done now. Get it absolutely yeah. get it done now. So, yeah. Moving on to another midfielder, Elliot Emberton. You know, he's got the assist, a very well taken goal, second of the no, third of the is it second of the season? Was it because he scored yeah. against M, was it MK Dons he scored against? Yes, yep, second of the season. Second of the season. Um and he's got a few assists as well here and there. And I do get a real sense that this will kind of become a running theme with Emberton, you know, as it was McGeady in the last few seasons where, you know, you kind of start expecting this from him. Yep. Um, obviously, still quite a young player. You know, I think he's what 23, 24, I think, and um, possibly younger. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, when McGeady was playing last season, you know, you'd come on a podcast, you'd be like, "Yep, eight out of ten, move on." <laughs> Embleton is really kind of forming into that player, and I went with a nine for Embleton. Yep, I think well deserved nine as well because this, I mean, this was a huge game for us coming into it. You know, Wickham were. You know, we're pegged to be in and around the top. They just came down from a championship season. Um, and it's, it, just to have him slide in and kind of relish that moment and want to get on the ball. He's always looking to check back and always get on the ball. And he's making the right decisions. And if, if he does happen to lose the ball, he's hustling back to get it back. And, yeah, I think a nine is, is very well deserved. I think this is a glimpse of the Elliot Embleton experience of just yeah. he, he's got he's got everything in his locker. And he's just about if the other team allows him to play it's going to work out but as soon as they start to to really try to mark him out of the game we're going to have to have the other players step up as well but i think he's got the right mentality to to kind of own that number number eight right it's just yeah it just distribute that ball perfectly so yeah, yeah. a great game from him yesterday yeah the english santi cazola yeah. done yeah <laughs> done. <Very> <laughs> it's got me thinking what what do we need what do players need to do to get a 10 from us on this podcast right. It, yeah, great question. It would it would really have to be, man. Like the the four the four goal four assist game from McGeady and Mike last season. I think that warrants a ten. I think you're right though, man. Yeah, we are maybe we are a little bit critical, but I think we just expect more, right? We we expect better. We want to see better. And until I know yeah. for a fact that that's the best someone can play, you know, I don't want to give them a ten until I know for a fact like that is a world. I want to be just amazed, and uh, I'm just pleasantly pleased at this moment so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe i have high Very standards well <laughs> <laughs> um last midfield luke on iron um again some people love him some people hate him yesterday i thought he was much improved don't think he was at his best but i think he was a lot better than he has been recently um made some vital challenges a couple at the back where he's you know made made a very important block or very important tackle his yep. passing was a lot better you know i think it was against it might have been wimbledon you know his passing was a little bit off Um, he was taking a little bit longer on the ball and kind of slowed us down a little bit Thought he was much better with that to, uh, yesterday, sorry. Um, but I went with a seven for Onion. Yep, seven is exactly where I had him as well. He is the embodiment of the player that you love to have on your team, but has got to be a nightmare to play against because he's always just in and around and just kind of stirring the pot a little bit. And uh, it's resulted in him taking a punch, you know? So that's how yep. you know he's doing his job well. Um, it's it, He's just... 
and I watch all like kind of the the all access stuff and the behind the scenes, and he's just so nice to everybody. You just you yeah. just love to see it, and uh, he's got to be just a a great uh, guy in the locker room as well. So yeah, seven, yeah. he did his role, played you know played well, and uh, definitely got them off their off their game a little bit. Yeah, um, and then Gooch, you know, again another improvement on from the Wimbledon game. Yep. You know, yep. when he got the ball, he looked dangerous. A couple of times he's carried the ball forward very very well. Um, I think it was one where he drove literally from right back up yeah. until, you know, their corner flag won the throw in. And I think that is what, you know, when he's on his day, that's what he brings to the team. Would have been nice to see him, you know, get a goal, get an assist, or maybe even have a shot on goal. Cause I don't really remember him having too many chances or too many efforts. And that's probably the one criticism that I would give him from yesterday's game. But ultimately, you know, much improved. So I've went with a seven for Goot as well. Yep. Yep, uh, and I think the biggest change is that he made those decisions a lot quicker. The goal that Embleton was a one-time pass, and then he peeled off to try to make a run toward goal, but it allowed Embleton that space. So his quick decision-making, quick passes, he always helps back. He's always running 100 miles an hour. And it's kind of nice that those goals haven't come yet because he's going to stay hungry. So he's going to show up in a game where we need a goal, and it's not coming from Embleton or Ross Stewart or, or McGeady, and it's going to be Gooch, and he's going to be the guy who – who is so hungry for that goal, he's going to keep taking those chances. And as long as it's not to the detriment of the team, which it hasn't been yet, then it, he's he's great to have in the squad. So I think seven yeah. is very fair. Yeah. Um, McGeady didn't lose the ball much. That's what I put yeah. when I wrote the match report. He didn't lose the ball much. Whereas, again, again going back to the Wimbledon game, almost every touch was kind of a loss of possession. Um, yeah. Didn't do that much yesterday. But again, he just... When he got the ball, he, he did very little with it. Um, there is, there was times yesterday he looked a little bit more dangerous than he has so far this season. But he just seems to have lost a yard of pace. Um, again, don't know whether that's down to the fact that he hasn't had a full pre-season, didn't really feature too much in the, in the pre-season games, or whether it is just a case of age catching up to him, which we did kind of allude to in the first podcast of the season. Still holding on to the hope that it is just a kind of a fitness thing as opposed to anything else or a form yeah. issue. But ultimately, didn't do anything particularly wrong, but didn't do what we know McGeady is capable of. So I've got a six. Yeah, I think this is like like a base card McGeady, if, if that makes sense. Like this is yeah. just like nothing special. He didn't have any of his special moves or anything like that. It's just like a standard Aiden McGeady, never too high, never too low, making the right decisions, quicker passing this time. He did help back a few times as well, which is really good to see helping Sirkin out there. Maybe him and Sirkin just haven't quite developed that that relationship yet. Um, but, I mean, we saw it last season. I mean, he, he missed over half the season due to who knows, God knows what with Parkinson, but um, yeah. all of his goals and assists obviously came later in the season. So maybe it was, it's one of those things he's going to have to work into the game, work into the season a little bit. And if anyone's allowed that sort of time, I think it's going to be Aiden McGeady. So I, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll just continue to watch, but yeah, I, I think it was just kind of the base Aiden McGeady today. Yeah. Do you think it could be a case of he's missing playing with Callum McFadzine? <laughs> I think McFadden just made him so mad that yeah maybe it caused, he's like fine I'll do it all myself because apparently I have to so yeah I, I definitely think you're right. And <laughs> uh, moving on to the last player because the substitute that came on literally did very little apart from being right who headed in and was on goal. Um, but Ross Stewart again you know he's just his work on the ball off the ball is just incredible um, and he always wants to do better as well. You know, I think there was one time he lost a header to their centre half and you know Lee Johnson was. I don't. I don't want to say a human, but yeah, 
very kind of aggressive, but in like an <laughs> educational way kind of thing, you know. Being, you being a coach. Being yeah. a coach, yeah. And trying to get the best out of him, even when he was having a very good game. And, you know, that really played into the second half where he was improved. He won a few more headers. And, you know, his first touch is excellent. His finishing's getting better and better with each game. There's just nothing that he can't offer at the moment. And God forbid if he gets an injury. Um, but luckily, Wank, I think, stayed fit for most of the season last season. Um, so hopefully Stewart can as well this season. But 9 out of 10 for Stewart as well. Yeah, and I think positionally, because he's he gets to the spot quicker than I think White did, he's not taking these really hard tackles. I mean, White, I felt like a lot was doubled over last season and because I think he was trying to kind of body up and things like that, which is a physical toll on your body. But I think Ross is just so quick and just like fluid with his motions. And you saw it on that run too. And he had a few others where his burst of pace and change of speed is just incredible because it takes him one to two strides and he's at top speed because of those long legs of his. So yeah, he's, he's just the catalyst to kind of how we can score goals and unlock more opportunities for this team. So I, I think a nine, um, played fantastic. Just a great finish, too, to, to get both of those goals. Um, as close to a 10 as I can say, but like like we like to say here, that uh, yeah. we we always expect more. But um, last thing on a striker, uh, did you see that, according to the Sun, that Grig is off to Doncaster? Doncaster, yeah. I just, I'm waking up to get my morning news, so there you go. So another striker off the books, so that a little bit more pressure on Stewart to stay healthy, but... Um, yeah, uh, until now, I mean, it, God, it's just, he's just so cool. He's just such a cool player. You know, he's yeah. exactly what you want. Yeah. And I suppose with Greg going as well, it'll probably leave a space for another striker to come in. Obviously, Jebison is linked yep. on and off with Sunderland. Um, I think Sheffield United wanted to loan him to their kind of their feeder club, I think it is, in Belgium. I think gotcha. they have already signed a striker. Um, but... If they're bringing another striker of you know the same kind of attributes, maybe a young Premier League striker, whether that is Jebison or not, that can surely only better his game as well. You know, puts that little bit more yep. pressure on him, makes him you know if I want to stay in the team, I'm not guaranteed to stay in the team because he's behind me. It just makes him you know that little bit more wary of how he needs to perform. Yep, and it'll just keep pushing to score those goals. Yeah, because that's the best way to, to stay in the team. <laughs> stay in the team yeah. is just keep scoring. So, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And what, the, the window closes is on the 31st? Is the last day of the month that the um, transfer window closes? Yeah, I think that's Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, Tuesday it is, yeah. Cool. Well, well hey. What's that? Wait, three, two days, three days? Yep. Looking forward to it to be over because it's just the rumor mill season and all these transfers and Twitter just rumors. Just like it's just the worst. It's just yeah. the worst. So just bring in, bring in Mbappe. We can, you know, Mbappe's got a lot to learn from from Ross. Oh, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess uh, if we can bring him in both, then you know, I guess we should probably <laughs> let's try to swing that. But now, until then, I think somebody called uh, Ross Stewart the Highland Holland, which I absolutely love. Quite a few nicknames now. Yeah, it's just hey, that's there's no better way to endear yourself to a fan base than that have multiple uh, multiple nicknames. So I love it. Yeah. Um, man of the match, I think we both went with a nine for Embleton and Stewart, but I'm gonna make you pick one. I'll give it to Embleton. First game, first goal at the Stadium of Light. That, that's a big deal, big milestone for him, and I hope it's just the first of many. And he he was involved in every everything that we did. To uh to study even like I said for that second goal or third goal, um the one to Ross Stewart he was the one who just kind of perfectly laid that pass to Dan Neal who was just already full sprint split two defenders and led to the goal so uh, I'll give it to Ambleton I think it's well deserved and hopefully the first of many. 
Yeah. Well, next game was Sheffield Wednesday and it got postponed, <laughs> which is annoying because that was the first away game of the season I'd planned to go to. Yep. So I think the next game is Accrington at home. Who were there? I don't know. Yeah. And then I think the next away game is Fleetwood. Um, but between now and Accrington, you know, there's, I think it's what a two week break, a lot of time for some of the players. Obviously, you know, Niall Huggins, um, Sirkin, Doyle, they were all on in national duty, so not necessarily them. But you've got the likes of Broadhead, who's just came in, hasn't really had too much time to train. It's a good time for Johnson to kind of get the team together, work on ironing them little mistakes out even there, and realistically just come back stronger after the break. Yep, get healthy. I'm sure there'll be a few behind closed doors matches for those uh, for those fringe squad players as well, um, and then whoever else we bring in. But I think the break does come at a pretty good time. Usually you just want to keep kind of rolling in, but we had the first month of football, um, and like I said, I think it it was encapsulated and and really climaxed today with with uh, or excuse me yesterday with that performance. So I think we're going to be able to take that, analyze kind of what we did well. Um, and I think it comes at a good time, you know, gives everyone a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a breather, uh, heal up, ice up those knocks. And uh, yeah, like you said, come back stronger. And I think we got the hardest chunk of our, our first few schedule or first few months out of yeah. the way. I think this was a looking at that schedule uh, preseason. It, it was tough to if we would have been sitting here saying that we're going to win, uh, what, six out of seven and, and four out of five in the league to start that. If I have my math right, then uh, or five out of yeah. six. Whatever it is, awesome. it's, just, yeah, it's about it's about as good as the season uh, gives a start to a season as we could have hoped. Yeah, well, that is the time we have for today. Again, Kyle, appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I promise I won't have anything better to do at seven thirty <laughs> on a Sunday morning. And if I do, then it's then then it's something's wrong. So yeah, either that or we've lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, between now and I think it's the. 11th there's not really too much on um, from a Sunday point of view so we'll be back after the Accrington game on the Sunday but between now and then I think it's on Tuesday we are recording a podcast with an ex Sunderland player who did play in around 2002 to 2006 that's all folks